This is the BodyWise Podcast. Thank you for joining Laura and Christina for another intimate exploration of collective wisdom. Hi, y'all. Welcome to BodyWise Podcast. This is Laura, and I'll be your host today. You may have heard my sister Christina interview most of our guests so far, but as many of you know, I'm particularly passionate about menstrual health and the lack of education around this. So many people are struggling with hormonal imbalances and period issues, but it does not have to be this way. And our guest today has proven that. I'm thrilled to introduce Nicole Jardim. She is a certified women's health coach specializing in menstrual health and the newly minted author of Fix Your Period, Six Weeks to Banish Bloating, Conquer Cramps, Manage Moodiness, and Ignite Lasting Hormone Balance. Nicole, welcome. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so excited to chat with you. I I know I can feel your passion for periods. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. It's my favorite topic ever. Um, And I love that the work, yes, yes. Which is why I love the work that you do. And actually I purchased your book on April 28th when it, when it was released and it hasn't arrived yet, but I'm anxiously awaiting it. Um, And I'm, I'm just so excited to get it in my hands and I'd love to hear a little bit about it in terms of, you know, what, when you were going to put this together, what was it that you wanted to offer your readers and how do you sort of do that in this book? Thank you for asking me that because I really had to think about that in the beginning. And, you know, I was saying this to you before we started recording that it's been a, a year and a half process, at least. I mean, possibly almost two years because I started writing the book proposal long before I actually got the book deal, you know, the drill. So, yeah, it was one of those things where I remember thinking, I really wanted to write this book for my 21-year-old self as much as I did for all of the women who have come to me over the years in you know various stages of hormonal disarray. And for me back then, I had been on a multi-year odyssey is what it felt like with my period because I had had really painful, heavy, irregular cycles for as long as I could remember since I was about 14 or so. My periods were really heavy and painful to the point where I'd be missing school. It was so disruptive to my life. Couldn't get out of bed sometimes. You know, I was constantly had multiple towels on the mattress, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. And that went on for years. And I finally saw my mom's gynecologist who immediately put me, put me on the pill. And that felt for me like my period panacea. That was my silver bullet. And I was like, okay, great. I don't need to worry about this anymore. But then what started happening is I had all of these symptoms from being on the pill that no one could explain. And I remember just seeing doctor after doctor, you know, I went and did a colonoscopy and then I did, um, you know, I went to the dermatologist because I had melasma all over my face. And then I saw another gastroenterologist and he was just like, yeah, you know, you may have Crohn's disease, you know, so like it just went on and on like rheumatoid arthritis because I had joint pain from, from my lack of estrogen, just my lack of hormones. So it was a disaster. (laughs) And needless to say, I had no answers. I really could not I did not have information about how my body worked or how the pill worked to even make the decision to, um, you know, to make changes because I just didn't know. So that for me was sort of the impetus for doing this work and then writing the book, because I know that there are millions and millions of women who are in the same place or in some sort of similar situation who don't feel like they have any choice, but to 
take birth control or take do some kind of surgery to address whatever it is they're dealing as it relates to their or dealing with as it relates to their menstrual cycle. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that whole experience you just described, I feel like I have heard from so many women who have struggled and seen multiple specialists have so many symptoms are suffering and they're not getting any answers. And it's so defeating and disheartening and infuriating. Yes, I could not agree with you more. I'm just, I'm incredibly frustrated by it because what this, what happens is this narrative becomes our story. We embody it. And then we start to think that we're broken. We can only be fixed by a doctor or some kind of pill. And, you know, there's really no hope. So we may as well just suck it up and deal. And I am just, I'm so over that at this point, because I just feel like we need to decide for ourselves that there are other options. And there are, and finally, they're so widely available now. Um, But it it requires us to make a decision before anything else. And that is, we're going to be open to a different possibility for our health and our lives. And Nicole, you mentioned in your story when you were going to all these different specialists, how there was a, a missing piece for you was you didn't really understand the way that your cycle worked. So not having that information, and I feel like that is one of the root problems of this like just massive experience, that we are not educated about our bodies and our cycles. And this is a huge knowledge gap. I mean, is it something that you see often in, with your clients? Is this something that, that you think is like coming up consistently for the people Girl. that you work for? <laughs> It's like, where do I begin? Yes. Okay. So I was that girl. I'll tell you this. I was definitely the girl who would go to the doctor and make up the date of my last period. I had no idea what my period was. Mm -hmm. And I I did not think that that thing had anything to do with my overall health. And as a result, you know, it really bit me in the ass. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously no idea. And so when you, and when we think about this, like when you keep women or anyone really in the dark about a certain topic, whether it's their health or how finances work or whatever, we're constantly going to be looking outside of ourselves for the answers. We're never turning inwards to figure out solutions because we have no idea what's normal and what's not. We have no idea how this system even works. So as a result, our doctor says, well, you, you have to take this birth control pill because this is the only solution to your heavy periods, your painful periods, your PCOS, your endometriosis, your adenomyosis. And I could go on and on and on the pill for every ill. It's ridiculous. And we are at the point where I think that women are demanding different, a different way, a new strategy, a different approach, because we cannot continue on like this. It's totally unsustainable. It's insane to me that that a woman's fertility is basically the only thing that is important. So women, I hear this countless times. I go to the doctor. I'm having spotting for 10 days before my period. It's really disruptive. I feel like something's wrong. Doctor says it's fine. Or take the birth control pill. Or, you know, like they have PCOS and they go to the doctor. The doctor says, okay, take the birth control pill. And, um, oh, you want to have a baby? Don't worry about that. We'll figure that out when you come off the birth control pill. It's just incredible to me that 
our fertility is really front and center and our well-being and our hormonal health are always on the back burner. That's never taken into account. It doesn't matter. As long as we're a vessel for a baby, then that's all that matters. And I that infuriates me because apparently women are not supposed to feel good the majority of the time. Like it just, it's just really frustrating that I see it all the time. And which is why I think that the work you do is so impressive in terms of finding the root causes of these hormonal problems, really looking at the whole body system of these women instead of just addressing the symptoms. So my question to you is, where do you usually start with women when you're trying to help them on their hormonal journey? Yeah, you know, I really feel like this is the critical piece. And again, like we're so busy spot treating our hormonal health issues or treating the symptoms that we don't even realize that there's a whole lot of stuff happening right below the surface. And that's what's contributing to the symptoms that you're experiencing. And so you have to dig a little bit deeper, a few layers down to find out what's causing it in the first place. And in most cases, what you know what we don't realize is that ovulation is really the critical component here it is the to me it's the center of the female universe and if we're not ovulating consistently then we're going to run into all kinds of problems and the reason one might not ovulate consistently relates to nutrient deficiencies gut related problems that are causing said nutrient deficiencies any kind of external stress that's you know impacting our lives and then uh, internal stress too, like uh, ongoing inflammation or like I was saying, gut health issues, liver detoxification problems, autoimmune diseases, low thyroid function, things like that. So there are a lot of causes of why one might not ovulate consistently, but those causes generally can be addressed with a few key lifestyle and food changes. And so I think the first thing I do is that I work with women to figure out whether they're ovulating or not. And so we work on cycle tracking. And so we're essentially tracking basal body temperature and cervical fluid patterns. And from there, you can determine so much. That's what's so amazing about our bodies is that, yes, there are some complicated processes happening, but our bodies are not complicated. They're not hard to figure out. We just need the right tools. So when we start cycle tracking, we can tell if we're ovulating, we can tell when we're ovulating, we can tell you know whether we have a low thyroid function. I mean, the beginnings of it, that you obviously need to do testing and get a diagnosis. But if your temperatures in the second half of your cycle after you ovulate are on the lower side, that could indicate low thyroid function. It could also indicate low progesterone because progesterone is the hormone that raises your basal temperature. So you can see from your your temperatures as well. If your cortisol is all over the place because your temperatures tend to take on a zigzag type of uh, pattern, your cervical fluid as well, you can see what's happening. Are you producing that, that fertile quality egg white watery type fluid? If you're not, then maybe there's something going on with your cervix. Maybe you, you're nutrient deficient. Maybe there's inflammation. Maybe uh, your liver just isn't doing its detoxification work well enough. So there are more toxins in your body than normal. You know, there's so many things we can tell just from cycle tracking. And men do not have this at all. <sighs> to me, this is an incredible superpower and it's totally overlooked in our society. Oh gosh. Yes. You just, I mean, you're talking to a fertility awareness educator. So yes, yes <laughs> I, I teach this. I teach tracking of your cycle with basal body temperature and cervical fluid. And I love it. I I love it because when I started doing it in my late 20s, I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know how to do this right now. 
It's so amazing. Seriously, it's yes, incredible. It is. I didn't realize that. I saw a holistic sexual health educator and I wasn't totally sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my apologies. Oh, no, no, it's okay. It's one and on. But yes, I do. But yes, I'm I'm such a big fan of charting and and it's just it's so empowering. And how much information? It's like the most practical body knowledge skill that you can have. It's it's so fascinating. And I guess what I want to ask you what you think about in terms of, you mentioned that, you know, more and more women are demanding like better options and solutions, but that it is, it is a sad fact that you go to see a doctor and you are being prescribed the birth control pill or some other really extreme version of, of, you know, a hysterectomy or an ablation for these issues. And why isn't anybody talking about, oh, you know, you should be ovulating. Let's, let's find out if you are, let's take care of your nutrition. Like, how are you eating? How is your stress? Nothing is being asked around that. And nobody is prioritizing the health of your menstrual cycle, even though it's been declared a fifth vital sign. Like, where is the medical community on, on this? Why aren't they catching up if they're supposed to be the experts? Oh, I mean, that's, I feel like that's a million dollar question. I would say that, I, you know, I just really think that it comes down to the fact that medications sell and, uh, you know, possibly convincing, I mean, this might be controversial, but convincing women that uh, their bodies need this, that we're somehow inherently broken and we need to whatever it is, be on the pill or some other form of medication to function optimally is, uh, there's a lot of profit in that. And, um, and I think there's a lot of profit in disempowerment because when you know your body and you know how you respond to certain things and you understand your menstrual cycle, uh, there's a lot, there's just a lot of power and in, I just think there's a lot of power in that generally speaking. And so I think that if we have, a whole generation of women who are completely disempowered and don't understand how ovulation works or how their menstrual cycle works, generally speaking, or what's normal or what's not, then we are, you know, we're easy prey. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting into dangerous territory. No, it makes sense. It's far more profitable, actually. And healthcare is a business and I mean, it is a business essentially. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess what I would love to see is for, even if the medical community isn't taking that priority as a priority, that somewhere along in our education system Mm -hmm. that we are, like, let's see some real comprehensive sex ed. And if not sex ed, because we are in a country that comes from, you know, very puritanical foundations and there's so much controversy around sexual education. I say, let's, okay, fine. Take away the basic anatomy and physiology of the menstrual cycle. Fine. We don't have to sexualize it. It is science. It is anatomy and physiology of the female body. Let's teach it. Like, yep. can that be done? I mean, I think it's a responsibility of the education system to teach that science. Oh, totally. And I, but I do think that the responsibility also lies on parents. And I think that, I think one of the bigger issues that we have, like you said, we do live in a really puritanical society. I mean, when you think about the fact that in the Netherlands, that sex education, well, appropriate sex education is taught from 
before kids even get into primary school, I think they start at age four, is it's so fascinating to me to see the results of that where they have lower levels of or numbers of teenage pregnancies and, you know, things to me, that's like one of the biggest issues in a, in a country like the US is like our teenage pregnancy rate is so high. And that's just one side effect of not have not giving women or girls this this information and boys as well of course mm-hmm. this information but from a parent's perspective i think that we bring so much weirdness <laughs> to this conversation <laughs> there's so much stuff that we hold on to around our bodies and our sexuality and our menstrual cycles and periods and i think that you know in talking to a lot of my friends recently who all have had kids in the last 5 to 7 years and their conversations with them are just hilarious to me because their kids bring this stuff to them and they're all like, okay, I'm making a really great effort to not be weird about this and not be freaked out when they ask me these questions. And I think that's what we really have to do. We have to take our own preconceived notions about all of these things and our own narrative about it and um, and remove that in the, these conversations with kids. I had the funniest conversation with a friend the other day, and she said that she'd left a tampon in the toilet. She was about to flush, and her two-year or three-year-old came in, and she's like, "Mom, there's lava in the toilet." <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny. And you know, others are saying the same thing. They're having conversations, and their kids are like, hmm, "Okay, that's cool," and they kind of shrug their shoulders, and then they walk away. And you know, they're not at all phased. They don't have any attachment to this information. And we do, we're the ones yes. who are so weird and we project all of that. Right. So totally. it's like, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just all about that. I'm like, how can we just take away that weirdness? And then that way, I mean, that just creates a whole generation of people who are, are not freaked out by their periods or totally disgusted by them or feel like they're dirty. And that's, that's what I, that's a message I continue to hear over and over again about how dirty women's periods make them feel. Mm. I talk about this all day, every day, as you know. So for me, I'm like, wow, we're still here. We're still in that place. And we really have to work on that. Yes, we do. And speaking Mm -hmm. of that, I feel like in my teenage years, in my high school years, I, that's kind of where my brain went. When I first read, I think the first book I read was The Garden of Fertility um, back in the day. And when I discovered what cervical fluid was, what cervical mucus was, I mean, I, it was like the biggest aha moment for me. I'm like cervical fluid. And aside from now I know what it is and it has all these like superpowers and meaning and purpose and like, oh my God, the body's amazing. And I just remembered being in high school and thinking gross, like, oh my God, what is this kind of like stretchy stuff coming out of me? And this is, (laughs) and anything that wasn't like perfect, you know, there was this ideal to live up to in terms of like, oh, a high school girl and you have to like smell good and look good and nobody ever better notice that you have your period. God forbid you stain your jeans and that's like mortifying and anything coming out of you that isn't like sexier or, I mean, it just, I remember having such a problem and I thought, oh my gosh, all of the girls and all of the women and everybody who doesn't know what this is and thinks gross. I mean, that is the go-to process. We've been conditioned to think our secretions are somehow yucky. And how does that, I mean, how does that affect the whole, your whole life essentially? Right. Oh, I know. I think about that a lot. And especially with conversations 
or in conversations with women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s about how they feel about their periods. And I was totally like you too. I was convinced every month I had a yeast infection. I didn't even know what the hell a yeast infection was, but I was convinced I had one because what was this stuff coming out of me? Nobody had even let me know. It was so mortifying. And like you said, God forbid you ask anybody. Yeah. <laughs> what? So, I mean, truly embarrassing enough to make you want to leave the planet, especially if you leaked through your clothes at school or oh, the worst. Anyway, yeah. I think though this, this idea or this belief system about our periods really impacts us to the point where I think it's impacting us on a physical level. When you hate something enough, eventually it's going to say, all right, fine. I'm just going to be terrible (laughs) because Mm -hmm. when we are not, yeah, when we are just not paying attention to that, to what I consider to just be this vital process in our bodies and um, we're ignoring it, we're hating it. And we feel, we feel so much tension and stress in our bodies, especially around that time of the month. I just feel like it exacerbates all the symptoms. And I think that it's, you know, our mental an emotional state as it relates to our menstrual cycles are definitely connected to how our menstrual cycles play out, like how our periods are, the symptoms that we experience. So it's so important for us to start to change the relationship that we have with our bodies and our menstrual cycles. Thank you for saying that, Nicole. And now I'd like to shift a little bit in terms of talking about the menstrual cycle, like beyond the process of ovulation and our hormones, in the greater scheme of things, like how our menstrual cycle affects our whole body and our vitality, our energy levels, and how having a healthy, natural cycle is absolutely vital for optimal health. You know, how that's related to food and energy and sleep, rest, just like how we feel from from day to day as women. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, this is what I find so fascinating and it's what's really left out of the conversation about your menstrual cycle and hormones in general. I, I kind of laugh about the fact that hormones are often just like this afterthought. We don't really have a good relationship with our hormones, generally speaking, in our world. And that's because we, when we think about hormones, what do we think of? We think of menopause and we think of puberty and we think of pregnancy and we think of terrible mood swings. And we say things like, she's so hormonal or I'm so hormonal, but we never really stop to think about what that actually means. Like, what are our hormones doing? Our hormones are not just showing up being terrible to us (laughs) at at, a certain point of our lives or our cycles. They're working nonstop for us all day, every day, forever and ever from the time before we're even born. So that's what I find so interesting about this is that, first of all, we hate our hormones, (laughs) which I want everyone to change because Mm -hmm. they're kind of amazing. And then the second thing about hormones is that they are you know not responsible only for your fertility and your period and your cycle and your pms they are responsible for so much more and so that's what i was saying when we were talking about the fact that oh you can just you know turn off your cycle until you're ready to have a baby type thing that belief system isn't really true i was saying this on you know the workshop that i did yesterday that you were on that we've been lied to when it comes to that. We think that estrogen is just necessary for our period and progesterone and testosterone, but these hormones play a critical role in so many other aspects of our health. And so first of all, there are multiple different estrogens. So that's the first thing. And estradiol is the main one. And when you think about the fact that 
estrogen is also responsible in addition to, you know, hips and breasts and thighs and whatnot. They're also, it's also responsible for your heart health and your cardiovascular health. And it's, it's a big part of what goes on in your brain as well. It's intricately tied to serotonin. And then it's also a responsible for how your skin looks when estrogen is really high, close to ovulations, your skin usually looks great. And as well as your hair and your bones. I mean, like I could go on and on, but progesterone, very similarly, you know, heart health, bone health, cognitive function, your moods, brain function, and then testosterone as well. Your bones, your musculature, your moods, your sex drive. So these are all parts of our lives that are necessary for us to feel good overall. And then we turn that off with a pill and it becomes a real problem. So this is why I'm so focused on us making sure that our hormones are in good working order so that we do feel good overall. Because if they're not, you know, that's why we, we just can't really spot treat our hormones like we were, like I was saying before, mm-hmm. this belief system that you can just get your progesterone to go up a little bit if you take a certain supplement or whatever. Yes, that's possibly going to happen. But why are your, why are those hormones low or high or not in balance like they're supposed to be in the first place? So that's really what I, I want women to start to think about. What's causing this? And, you know, what's usually causing it is basically the solution. You just have to make changes to the causes. And and that's where I think we run into issues in our society too, is it because we've sort of been shown that you should just, just take a pill and, and that will solve 90% of your problems, but it usually doesn't. It's just a Band-Aid solution. Absolutely. I think that people have also just been trained to look for solutions that are that, that are just one remedy, one pill, something that they can do to address that one thing that's bothering them, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and they want that easy route. Unfortunately, it's not usually going to be the sustainable route. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I would love the easy route. All of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Of course we would. <laughs> of of course. course we would. You know, and one of the things that, you know, we, one of the things that's coming up a lot in terms of some of what I'm reading lately is, you know, gut health. The gut, also known as the second brain, is just just coming up more and more on everybody's health and wellness radar. And a lot of people who are experiencing gut issues and discomfort and somehow it seems to be linking more often than not with period disturbances mm-hmm. and there's a i feel like there's a little bit of lack of understanding there as well in terms of just like just women who are trying to take care of their health and trying to spot treat sometimes and going to the doctors and not realizing that it isn't about trying to fix your period with just this one little hormonal treatment and then addressing your gut just how are they connected? Could you speak to a little bit about that? Oh yeah, I would love to. You know, I feel like the gut is obviously the connection to everything. <laughs> so usually my boyfriend Hayden jokes about this a lot with me. He's just like, oh my God, you're going to talk about the gut now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> because it's always, he's just like, not everything comes back to the gut. And I keep saying to him, actually, I'm so sorry, but it mm-hmm. does. And it's really <laughs> annoying because if you have gut related issues, you kind of think, oh, how am I ever going to get over this? And you know, I, I talked about this in the book and I've talked about this for years, this idea that you have to take things out to figure out what is actually causing problems with your gut to begin with. And somebody, I, you know, I've been talking on Instagram as well about this recently because it is such a huge connection to our gut, like between our gut and our hormones and how our ovaries function and whatnot. 
But the thing is, is that there are so many external factors now that are impacting our guts that just did not exist 100 years ago. When we think about the environmental toxicants that exist and that exist now in our environment, as well as, you know, certain foods that are just so problematic and we know them, you know, it's all the processed stuff that we eat, everything that comes in a package that's convenient and nice, all the sugar, the gluten, you know, and then in addition to all of that too, just a complete assault on our microbiomes to the point where we've reduced the amount of, or the diversity of our bacteria significantly in the last 50 years. And that's just so frightening. So of course, you know, we're sort of fighting a bit of an uphill battle. And I think that it does take a lot of diligence when it comes to addressing gut related issues. And I think one of the problems that's overlooked for for females in particular is that when you take the birth control pill, that can also impact your gut. So for me, I had chronic yeast infections while I was taking the pill, and I've come across multiple women who also have had that experience. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's a big issue that we we keep running into. And so with regard to the gut, what I find so fascinating is a few things. The first is that as part of the microbiome, there's a subset called the estrobilome. And so this is the group of bacteria that helps to break down estrogen when it enters the the gut or the intestine. And the bacteria in your estrobilome actually produce an an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which has the ability to convert or like what they call reconjugate or reconvert estrogen into its activated state. So that estrogen has come from your liver where your liver's worked really hard (laughs) to break it down and, you know, and package it all up into deactivated estrogens. And then they are moved, you know, from your liver through your gallbladder into your gut. And, you know, from there, that's supposed to be removed when you go to the bathroom. So if you're constipated, that's a problem because that gives that estrogen time to be reconjugated. And when it's reactivated, it can get out through your leaky gut lining because your gut is actually meant to be a little bit leaky. Um, So it can get back out and then recirculate in your bloodstream. And then you end up in this state of what we call estrogen dominance. So that's a huge issue. And then the other thing is that when the, the estrobilome is not healthy, there tend to be more of that bacteria that is producing the beta-glucuronidase. So you can have higher levels of beta-glucuronidase reconverting more estrogen than you would want. And then again, you run into this situation where you run into this estrogen dominance. On the flip side of that, you might have too little beta-glucuronidase and you may not be reconverting estrogen enough and you may end up in a lower estrogen state. That's especially problematic for women who are not ovulating consistently, who are already in a low estrogen state due to being on the pill or you know some other situation where they're just not ovulating at all. Maybe they have hypothalamic amenorrhea. So this is, I find this fascinating. And I think that this is why we have to be taking into account all these pillars. It's your food, it's your blood sugar, your gut, your stress, your thyroid. And if we're not, then you know our, the results that we see are going to be marginal really at best. Wow. Yes, absolutely. That's so important. Thank you so much for explaining that and really going through it. I think it's, I love, I'm a science geek, so I love all of that. And, and I think that it's, it's just really important information to understand when you do speak to a healthcare provider or you do consider what your symptoms are and you know what, the, what may be causing them. I think it's just very powerful to have that knowledge on hand. And 
when you speak about food and you know just a nutritious and beneficial kind of dietary lifestyle around around our periods because we do read a, a lot about that and you know we do live in a world with like so much diet culture and mm. That's just women especially are constantly bombarded with diets that are going to fix everything and just solve all their problems. And, and there's a lot of pressure on us for that. But, you know, we haven't actually talked about a diet that's going to be beneficial to our menstrual cycle health and the way that we feel. And now when we say menstrual cycle health, I think it's just important to acknowledge that we're just talking about our general health and wellness. It's everything. It's, it's like you said, it's going to affect not only our digestion, but serotonin, which is our, you know, feel good hormone. So how, how our brains are processing, how we're digesting our skin, our hair, um, our libido. And when it comes to food, because, because diet fads tend to be so extremist, um, (sighs) <laughs> you know, and I think about a lot of people, we know what, what the West, like the general American diet is, is super destructive to our gut health and our periods. But more and more people who, let's say that I've spoken to in the paleo, keto world, or maybe doing intermittent fasting, and women are like trying to navigate that ancestral diet world. And yet, they're still struggling with period issues. And one thinking, you know, well, I'm doing this really good, healthy diet. What am I doing wrong? I mean, is that something that you ever come up against? Like women who have maybe taken that step in recognizing, okay, processed food's not so great. Now I'm doing super low carb or, and occasionally I'm fasting and I'm working out and my period is all over the place. Like, why isn't this helping? Yes. I, I could, I love this. And I, I think that this comes back to, us looking outside of ourselves for solutions constantly rather than trusting our own body wisdom and trusting that we are feeling the way we're feeling when we eat certain foods. Because I did this whole thing too. I did the whole low fat. I went vegan for a while. I, I feel I tried the paleo diet. I've done it all. I've even tried the keto diet as well. And for me, I continually come back <laughs> to this very simplified version of what works for me. And it's not any, there's no label attached to it at all. And I really believe that that is the case for a lot of us. We have gone so far off base when it comes to what is normal and what's not for our diets that we don't really even have. I just feel like we don't we don't have the compass anymore. We we've kind of lost the plot a little bit. And the reason I say that is because women say to me all the time like someone said to me today, "So what about organic eggs? Do they raise estrogen in the body?" And this is the level of confusion that we're at and we are asking these very nuanced detailed questions about very specific foods. And what I keep saying about all of this is that how do eggs make you feel when you eat them? (laughs) Have you ever taken them out of your diet, reintroduced them? And how do you feel? Do you sneeze after you eat them? Do you get hives? Do you feel 
tired? Do you, do you have a stomach ache? Do you have a headache? And we don't ever pay attention to the symptoms that we're feeling. I've had multiple women say to me, I'm on the keto diet and I've lost my period. Do you think it's the keto diet? <laughs> like, yes, it is a hundred percent the keto diet. You are clearly not eating enough carbohydrates to ovulate consistently to get a period. And, you know, and at the same time, I've had women who do the keto diet and they get their period back because they had major blood sugar problems. So it really comes back to our own unique physiology. And the sooner that we recognize that we do have a lot of the answers. It's just that the answers come in this language from our bodies that we were never taught to understand. We were never taught to read the signs from our bodies, and which is so apparent, as you well know, in when it comes to fertility tracking and charting our cycles. These are symptoms that are that we are so not clued into. And so when we start to actually pay attention to how we feel rather than what everyone is telling us we should do, then I mean, miracles happen. You will start to be able to, to, to enjoy foods that you know, are meant for you because not every food is for everybody. I feel like we can look at all the studies and we can see what everyone else is doing and what all the experts say. But ultimately, if that thing doesn't work for you and you will know based on how you feel and how your menstrual cycle is responding, then you've got you've to pivot and try something different. You know, that is a beautiful thing. And it's really amazing to just recognize that it's the actually listening, the listening to yourself, the paying attention to your body and giving it what it needs. And just, I mean, that in itself is kind of like, wait, what do you mean? That sounds so simple. And yet, no, it's not because we've been training to ignore our bodies and looking elsewhere, as you said, looking on the outside. I mean, the subtlety and the almost kind of like that beautiful relationship that you can develop with yourself if you just pay attention to yourself, which as women, especially as mothers, caretakers, um, you know, people who bring community together, hold space for other people, the role of women over time that has been to take care of others and nurture others. And, you know, there's the quintessential, oh, guilty pleasures or mommy's taking time for herself or so-and-so is taking a vacation for herself, how it's like, oh, you know, you're lucky. How dare you take time to listen to yourself and to give yourself what you need? It's like, okay. I think that we're seeing that our bodies are not functioning very well under those circumstances, that we're breaking down, that we're experiencing diseases and chronic issues that like more than ever. So something's got to give and it is giving. I think it's, it's time to learn how to, how to listen to body wisdom to, I mean, it's, it's like, we have it, it's already here. And I mean, what an amazing world that would be if we all grew up knowing that from the beginning from the beginning, that that's all we had to listen to. Oh, yeah. wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> no. yes. And it would save, it saved me a lot of pain and heartache. <laughs> yes. No. All of us. All of us. Yes. So it brings me to my question for you in terms of what is your big vision for the work that you're doing and the impact you hope to have on the world? I mean, I know this is part of it. Absolutely. We like covered a section <laughs> of it. <laughs> but yeah, in terms you of know, like, Nicole Jardim, this is the work she's doing in the world. What's your... Yeah. Tell me about that. You know, I really think that more than anything, I just want women to have this information and I want to see how it ripples out because what I have found in the microcosm of my work with very small amount of women over the last 
decade is compared to the amount of women who exist on the planet yeah. is that they have, they have gone on to create, create careers out of this work or, you know, they, some of them have become vaginal steam practitioners, for instance, others have signed up to be health coaches or nutritionists or dietitians. And it is really amazing to see what women do once, first of all, once they reclaim this, this power over their bodies, they didn't even know they could have. And secondly, once they have this understanding of how healthy, optimally functioning female bodies should work, there, I mean, the sky is kind of the limit because this holds women back in such profound ways. And uh, when I think about so many of the people I've worked with over the years, they say things like, well, you know, I wasn't able to get this job because I, you know, I was calling in sick three, four days out of the month because my endometriosis pain was so bad, or I wasn't able to get pregnant. And now I have had two kids and, you know, I was considering IVF and I don't need that anymore. You know, there's so many incredible stories and that is what I think we've lost. And that's, you know, what I saw in the workshop last night that we were just talking about. And the fact that I, you know, I've seen this too in my work and I'm sure you have as well is that we don't even know how many times we're shortchanging ourselves when it comes to our lives and our bodies, because we just don't even know how good it can be. And that's really what I want for everyone who, whether you read my books or my book, not books, or do a program. Yeah, no, I hope not. (laughs) I'm tired to even contemplate it. But like, whatever it is, even if it's somebody else's work, because there's tons of us doing this work, you know, whether it's your work or anyone I know in the women's health space, this is information that when you have it, you can't unlearn it. And Mm -hmm. it is it's like a Pandora's box. Once it's open, you're like, whoa, what did I just learn? What are you telling me? And that's really what I want. I love the surprise from women when they read a blog post or an Instagram post even, and they're just like, wait a second. I had no idea that was a thing. And then they start to research and then they start to go down the rabbit hole and their lives are forever changed. And not only their lives, but their children's lives their daughters' lives, their families and their friends because they tell people and then maybe they decide to change their career or you know do something that's similar to the work that we're doing. And that to me just increases the the ripple effect of of this information and knowledge. Absolutely. That's so beautifully said. Nicole, would you please tell everyone where they can find you? And we'll be linking everything in the show notes. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was so great. I feel like I was on a rant. No, of your rant. I'm so, I'm like so thrilled that you shared so much information and for the work that you do. And oh, you're so inspiring, truly. <laughs> thank you for saying that. Oh my goodness. I do. I just get so frustrated sometimes because I just feel like we deserve so much better. And <laughs> yes. I, you know, with that said, uh, you can find me on my site, NicoleJardim.com. And that's where I have my blog. I've been blogging now truly for like a decade. I cannot believe that. So there's a lot of topics there as well as if you want to purchase the book, you can go through fixyourperiod.com. There's all the booksellers listed there. I also have bonuses that are in the book or listed in the book that you can download on that page too. And then I'm also on Instagram mostly. It seems to be where I spend a lot of time and that's instagram.com forward slash Nicole M. Jardim. I'm like Madeline. And I have a podcast too. It's called The Period Party. So lots of information for anyone who is seeking it. Awesome. We will definitely have that linked up to the notes. And thank you again. It was an honor to have you. Thank you so much, Laura. <laughs>